Hi, this is Rosie, and welcome back to another episode of What Does Your Family Look Like? I hope you've been well over the past six months since I released Season 2 back in November. I am thrilled about Season 3. It's not about me and my family. Finally, I've expanded. I was introduced to an amazing woman who fosters children, and so that was where the path took me. I have learned along the way that life is not a straight line. Master plans are meant to be altered. The highway in front of you is full of detours, which is a good thing, because if you allow yourself to deviate from your original roadmap, you afford yourself the opportunity to see new views, to travel the unknown, and to be open to different possibilities. That's what happened to me. The life I've carved out was nothing like I envisioned. I took the detour, and I'm so glad I did. Families are like puzzles. They come in all shapes and sizes. This season, we will hear about one woman's experience as a foster mother. I learned so much about the foster care system from her. Foster care can change lives, build families, and strengthen their communities. Children are our light, our future, and the loving care they receive is essential to their well-being and future success. I'm excited to share it with you, and if it helps you in your journey, then mission accomplished. A little history. So when did society decide it was their responsibility to care for the well-being of children who were homeless on the street, abused, and neglected? The 19th century hailed in the beginning of society taking a closer look at the treatment of children, recognizing the need for a solution. Previously, it was viewed as a private matter within each individual family. While the solutions were far from perfect, it was a beginning. Through the years, laws were enacted in support of child welfare, and with the help of federal funding and the involvement of the judicial system, the foster care system slowly evolved as we know it today. Let's get to it then and hear about her uplifting story of love, devotion, and family. Marcy is truly an angel walking among us. Her journey as a foster parent was nothing short of unique. She really is an inspiration to us all. Marcy, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for taking your precious time to talk with me and share your very heartfelt and courageous story. So, how did you decide to become a foster parent? Well, good morning, and thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Rosie. I'm so happy you're here. Yes, um, I am humbled and um, grateful just that anyone would want to hear my story. Um, it starts, I guess, way back when I was a child. Um, my grandmother raised my sister and I, and um, she was a foster parent for 40 plus years. Wow. So living with my grandmother, um, we had children in and out of our home my entire life. Um, I watched the process. Um, I was a part of the process. And I just always felt, you know, that what she was doing, you know, bringing children into our home, 
that needed just, you know, the basic love support, um, just to feel um, wanted, just kind of, I don't know, sparked a passion in Mm -hmm. me at an early age. And I always felt like I wanted to foster. Um, It was never, it was never supposed to be like, uh, in place of me having my own biological children, mm-hmm. I just felt like, you know, hey, that would be my contribution, to be perfectly honest. That's that beautiful. would be my contribution to the world and to society. So um, it kind of, you know, just by watching her and just having having the children in our home. Um, I started the process initially. Um, so I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. And I started the process initially um, before leaving Cleveland. So about a year prior to relocating to Maryland, I started the process and I didn't get to complete it uh, before making the decision to move here. Didn't really matter because once I moved here, I realized that it's different state to state mm-hmm. and that even if I had had a license there, it, it you know, I would have to come here and get relicensed. So um, into a Maybe a few years of living here, I kind of thought, hey, it was something that I wanted to do. Let me just go ahead and pick it back up. Um, And I reached out to, you know, the local agency Mm -hmm. and just kind of said, hey, I want to attend an informational session Um, and was provided the dates and kind of attended. And from there, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been so how many years ago? So um, about eight and a half now, mm-hmm. eight and a half years ago, um, very lengthy process. Um, you, you know, you attend a session, you get the information, you're able to ask questions, obviously, kind of think it through, make sure it's something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then um, if you, you know, have made the decision that you actually want to move forward, you um, sign up and you kind of get enrolled for lack of better term, um, into the program where you have to take a certain amount of classes. Mm -hmm. Um, They call it credit hours. So you have to take a certain amount of classes and the classes are maybe once a week um, in the evening. And this, my license, I was licensed prior to COVID. So it was actually in person. Um, And so like once a week you would go, it'd be about two hours in the evening. And they kind of just actually instruct you um, on the process and, and you know, what to look for, how it's going to feel, what, you know, some of the policies, some of the rules and regulations surrounding being licensed. And um, once, you, once you get your credit hours, and please, I, I don't remember now how many credit hours you mm-hmm. need, but once you get your credit hours, um, you start a process that's called a home study. And with the home study, you are assigned a social worker, <clears throat> excuse me, and that social worker will come to your home um, four, four, five, six times um, and kind of talk to you and talk to your family if you have family. So if you're married, if you have your own biological children, the purpose is to ensure that the entire family um, is engaged and the entire family has bought into the fact that, hey, we all want to be a part of this process. We understand or your family understands what that entails, you know, bringing children into your home, especially if you have your own children, mm-hmm. how they feel about it. Once your home study is completed, um, again, four or five times, it just depends on what your home life looks like. Um, the social worker that is assigned to you will then go back and kind of you know, um, write your story up 
and um, either agree or disagree or approve or confirm or deny that you are appropriate to foster. Um, the entire process from, you know, attending the session that provides you the information to the completion of your home study can take up to about a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that part of it was was pretty lengthy. Um, but once that's done and you have, of course, there are several things that you need to provide. But once all of that is completed, you are actually licensed. Wow. And um, once you're licensed, it's just a matter of waiting for a phone call, to be perfectly honest, you're able to provide um, the agency with what you feel you are better fit for in terms of age, mm -hmm. gender, mm -hmm. um, race, all of that. You know, they take that into consideration because that is important. Oh, yeah. um, and you, you really just wait for a phone call. And the phone call could be obviously any time of day. Um, they kind of give you what they know. So, you know, hey, we have, you know, um, a young four-year-old. Um, we don't know much, but, you know, we know that today is the day that we need to remove um, him or her from the home, that kind of thing. And wow. once that, you know, you, you are able to say no today, you know, because you don't, typically you do not get a heads up. It is not, hey, um, in about a week, we'll be removing a child. It is literally um, the, the, it, the need presents itself at the time. It sounds pretty it, emergent. It very much so, very much so. Um, so once th there is a need, um, they kind of go down a list and and make phone calls. And you know, if at the time you feel like you have what you need to provide for the child, you say yes. And it is really, hey, what time can we meet you at at your home? Wow. And that is it. So it's it's a matter of always staying prepared. You know, once you're licensed, it is you saying, if you call me and I can do it that day, then I will say yes and I will meet you at this time. That's amazing. And that's pretty much how it happens. So when you know you're going to be getting that you've li you're licensed, do you did you tell your your workplace that I may have to take a few days off, or is it through? Do you get family leave for that? Um, you do not. So not just because you're getting a placement, you do once you adopt. So oh, okay. once you once you adopt a child, um, and as we go through this, my situation was a little different. But once you adopt a child, you actually are eligible for with most organizations, they have maternity, paternity leave, mm -hmm. you are actually eligible for the same. Oh, that's great. But for actual fostering, and for an initial placement, no, you're not, you know, your organization does not legally have to provide you time. But really, if you have that type of relationship and rapport with, you know, your your boss, your supervisor, um, I would think you would have had that conversation in advance, <laughs> right? right? Um, as I did. And so everyone in my workplace knew that I, you know, was going through the process. And once I completed the process and I was licensed, they knew because I was excited about it. It really is a passion of mine. It has been a passion of mine. So it was something I could not contain. So my, you know, everyone was very aware. And I remember when I got my, um, it wasn't even my first call. Um, it was my third call, actually. The first two calls, um, the children were never placed with me. So the first, very first call that I got after being licensed, I remember it was for a little girl. Um, I think she was three. 
And what they said is, hey, um, so I say this in, in saying that I've already mentioned that typically you don't get a heads up, but in some cases you do. So in this particular case, it was, we have a three-year-old little girl, we're probably going to remove her and um, we're not sure yet if we we think we've identified a family member and we're going to try to go that route. But if not, just a heads up. If it's some, you know, if, if if you think it would be a good fit, we're just letting you know. We'll call you in about three or four days. So that's that's not the norm. Um, but she was never placed because they, I, I, if I remember correctly, they identified an aunt that was um, able to take her. And then my second call was for um, two little boys. They were siblings. And I just didn't feel like, you know, I could take that on Mm -hmm. initially, two children. Mm -hmm. So my third call, um, my third call, I was at a work conference, actually. So it was a leadership retreat offsite all day. And we had gone through the, the majority of the day. And probably we had about an hour left and I was sitting at a table uh, with some colleagues and my phone rang and I recognized the number of the agency. So I mm-hmm. picked it up and I remember um, the worker that was assigned to me. She said, hi, Marcy. Um, we have a little girl who um, is four months and we think we're going to remove her. And I remember asking her name and she told me her name and she said, would you like to take her? And I said, absolutely. And that is how the journey began for Marcy. Talk about being flexible. Even though she was prepared, it's still a jolt to find yourself about to take on a lifestyle that is totally different than the one you've been leading and with very little transition time to adjust. Please like and subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at WDYFLL, the podcast. 